And now for something completely different, welcome back to SwitchCast. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Doug Tabbitt, and SwitchCast is the podcast where we seek to educate, edify, and entertain you on the drive of your life. And we have Tyler Sanders here bantering tonight, and Ethan Huffnagel as the, uh, well, he's not the call screener anymore because we don't do phone calls, but he's the, uh, the TikTok comment screener. Because we, uh, we have a lot of viewers on TikTok. We appreciate you all. We get quite the engagement there with some great questions and comments. And we appreciate all of you for being here. And if you have something to say, uh, yeah, you can, uh, you can say it on our, um, you can say it right to us on our comment flow of wherever you're watching live. Or if you don't want to say it to us, you can say it about us somewhere else, you know, if it's unkind or whatever. Nah, if it's unkind, just say it right to us. That gives us a chance to respond uh, in kind. Uh, speaking of getting called out or uh, comments on on uh, social media, <laughs> Ethan posted a highlight from last week. Uh, we were talking about uh, Joe Biden's Corvette. Somebody had asked about what I thought about that. And of course, to say I always, well, I never talk about politics unless it's car related. And we can make a lot of things tangentially related to cars. We were just talking about how to make ice cream related to cars because <laughs> we're discussing Cold Stone Creamery versus Mitchell's and other actual good places to get ice cream versus Cold Stone, which is garbage. Anyway, um, but we didn't make that link, so we won't have that discussion. <laughs> um, I guess you drive your car to get ice cream. Anyway, so I got I got corrected on TikTok last week because uh, I I incorrectly said that Joe Biden's Corvette was a first generation uh, Corvette, a 1960. Uh, that wasn't the point of it, but of course you can't say anything publicly and and be even a smidgen wrong um, or, or even in the gray area because of course all the internet experts come out and sometimes they're right. More often than not, I guess they're they're right. But uh, anyway, they'll they'll be sure to to correct you if you're wrong. And I was wrong on that one. He owns a 1967 uh, Corvette C2 convertible. But it, it, the other thing I said that was incorrect was that he never drives it, which he doesn't drive it now. He can't because he's the president and presidents lose their license so you can't once you're president in the united states you cannot drive on public roads ever again um and so that was true but i guess before he became president he did drive it quite a bit and i said well he's not a car guy he never drives his corvette he just parades it out for you know political expediency um so i was wrong about those two things which corvette he had didn't really matter because i don't you know i don't care i don't follow that uh, but the point about him driving it or not, I think does play into the discussion. However, I still don't think, uh, it, it negates my point, uh, which is that Biden is not a car guy. He's just essentially, you know, he likes that car and he's parading it out, but he wants to take away our ability to own and enjoy internal combustion cars by his mandates to make EVs. And I think that EV technology is more than just a technological, uh, like an engineering competition or an engineering war. It is it is a political war. There's an agenda behind it. And um, 
just like I think there's an agenda behind climate change. Here come the disclaimers at the bottom of my video from the fact checkers or misinformation police. But um, I don't believe that humans impact climate change. And I don't believe that EVs are going to solve whatever problem we think exists. And I think that there's a larger agenda at work here that the people pulling the strings are trying to enact. So back to Joe Biden being a car guy versus mandating that we all drive EVs by 2035 or whatever it is. Um, so, okay, fine. He drove his Corvette. Nice. But but his dad gave it to him, right? So him enjoying a car that his dad gave him and driving it around doesn't make him a car guy. There's lots of people that have fancy cars that they either bought or their parents gave them. And, you know, if your dad gave you a Corvette, fantastic. But I'm going to identify with the pores here because I earned the money for my Corvette, worked hard for it. And I think that I appreciate it more because of that. And having a car doesn't make you a car guy. And I'm not trying to like divide parties on this either, because of course, somebody on there said, wow, because you, you know, made fun of Biden or said he's not a car guy. You, you just must be a, you know, MAGA person or whatever. I'm like, well, no, nobody asked me if they if I thought Trump was a car guy or not. I, I was answering the question about Biden. But for, to answer that, I don't think Trump is really a car guy either. I was going to say, like, there's plenty of pictures of him in Lambos, some really cool Lambos from the 90s. Sure. I don't think that really makes him a car guy. <laughs> but he was loaned those from Lamborghini, yeah. right? You can wear fancy watches and not be a watch guy. I, I will fully admit I'm not a watch guy. I like a few watches and like John Sabo has gotten me into them, but I am not a watch guy. I'm a total poser. I don't take pictures of my watch in front of my steering wheel. I'm not that kind of poser. I wear them for, for my enjoyment. But anyway, Trump was loaned the Lamborghinis back in the, like, before social media. He was, you know, he had uh, status and clout, so he was given them as an advertising opportunity. And, you know, yes, he liked them and yes, he drove them. That doesn't necessarily make him a car guy. Like there's tons of rich people that have all sorts of toys because that's the thing to do, but that doesn't mean they're like really into cars. Um, so I, yeah, I don't think Biden is a car guy just because he has a Corvette. I think he likes the Corvette, whatever, but you know, the, the point is even if he has a Corvette and he likes it and he drove it, the point is that that Biden, as with most politicians, um, is part of the ruling slash elite class. And they don't think that the rules apply to them. So he can parade around in his Corvette and say like, oh, I'm a car guy. I'm just like you. Yep, yep, yep. Look at my Corvette. But at the same time, he wants to take away the average American's ability to afford or own or operate one. So he's okay with him still having one as part of the ruling elite class because they want to do whatever they want while they make rules for the rest of us. Same with health insurance, with schools, with taxes, with all of that, right? So it's like the, the, the politicians who hire private security detail while introducing bills to defund the police. It's the exact same vein in my opinion. It's the ones who vote against school choice. So, you know, your tax dollars can go to whatever school you choose for your children, but then they send their kids to elite private schools, 
right? They don't think the rules apply to them and they don't want the rules to apply to them. They think that they're different. And that's my view. And this is not Democrat, Republican, anything. That is an expanded answer to the question of, you know, what do I think about Joe Biden's Corvette? Like, I I think it's just a thing he likes and he's using that to gain favor with a certain audience. But it's backhanded because while he's you know, posting videos of his precious little Corvette that his daddy gave him. He is trying to take all of our freedoms away as it pertains to owning and enjoying the cars that we love. So there we go. So you weren't kidding when you named this episode Full Throttle, were you? We're like eight minutes in and we were just like, <laughs> bam. Let's all go. Right. Speaking How many of... people can we upset? Yeah, well, <laughs> according to the TikTok chat, a few. So. <laughs> all right, give it, give it to me. What, what, what oh, problems no. is the TikTok? We are already at Full Throttle. We cannot go yeah. anymore. Let's okay. go. Okay. Let's go. All right. Um, well, I, I, I shouldn't I, I shouldn't say it's a few people. A lot of people are chiming in on the TikTok tab. Who do I upset? <laughs> a... I'm Gen- ready to go. A gentleman who says the following in a series of messages. Bro a series. Is a ser- yeah, a series <laughs> of comments, not messages, rather. He says, bro is hella right wing, and unfortunately for him, bro doesn't understand carbon emissions. Doug, you're mistaken. Biden not being a car guy has nothing to do with how you feel about climate change. Don't inject your opinions on scientific fact, man. Yeah, okay. Well, scientific and fact are two different things because science is actually continual state of discovery and learning. Uh, the scientific method is uh, uh, testing and discovery. And scientific fact used to say that the earth was flat and it doesn't anymore. Science is continually learning about the uh, size of our universe, um, about DNA. Uh, science used to think that uh, cells were basically just a blob of goo. And now we know that there's far, far more uh, intelligence uh, within a string of DNA. We, we continue to learn more about what we don't know. Um, and with pretty much every thing like climate change or, or, or other issues like that, there are scientists on both sides of the aisle. Um, so unless we have 100% agreement from every scientist on the planet, then we can't really say it's scientific fact. We are still learning about climate change, about what it is, about what, um, you know, how it is uh, affected, about what affects it. Um, you know, there was a study, somebody told me the other day that um, the CO2 in the atmosphere did not cause uh, the temperature change in our climate, but the reverse, the CO2 in the atmosphere was a result of the temperature difference in our atmosphere. And, you know, that that's a scientific study. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, let, let's let's talk about scientific fact. Just because a lot of people believe that climate change is true doesn't make it scientific fact. And even if climate change is true, it doesn't mean that humans are affecting it or that it's a problem that's a direct result of vehicles. And if you want to talk about CO2 emissions, we can talk about CO2 emissions because we can talk about the carbon footprint of EVs versus internal combustion engines. We talk about the entire carbon footprint of them in terms of the production of lithium batteries, uh, the production that's happening in other countries 
um, of these vehicles and the resources that uh, don't have emission standards, especially China. Um, you're looking at you know major major pollution, not to mention. Uh, <laughs> you know, not to mention the lack of human rights for the the these mines where where people are producing them. So you know, you have to look at the entire thing. You can't just say, "Oh, well, there's zero emissions coming out of your tailpipe," and say that that's a fact and that's going to save the earth. You have to to look at the entire science behind it. So if you want to debate that, we can debate that all day. But you know, <laughs> let's let's go to the Corvette curmudgeon. <laughs> yeah, because we were talking spicy. about Corvettes. Yeah, like somebody in the uh, YouTube chat commented that the color of Biden's Corvette is pretty great, and I had forgotten <laughs> that it was green. And boy, it's uh, I tell you, I don't care if he's a car guy or not, it's gorgeous. Somebody needs to just buy it off of him, right? And then it's not Biden's Corvette. He can just be. Well, it always know. will be though. At this point, it's always going to be his. But I would drive it, and I'd never tell anyone that it belonged to him. You wouldn't put like some aviators on the dash or like, I don't know what his signature thing is. Like, get, I, wonder no, if it I, comes, gonna... I wonder if it comes with a side of Alzheimer's. <laughs> Maybe there's an exhaust leak and that's why he's a little bit not there. It's an old Corvette. Of course, there's an exhaust leak. <laughs> Speaking of which, Trump also used to have a greenish Lamborghini. So maybe oh, it's a presidential yes. thing remember, that they... Does that mean I'm going to be president? Oh, I don't want that. <laughs> no, then you can't drive. Yeah, exactly. Screw that. No, thank you. All right, so we're going to bring the Corvette curmudgeon into the, the studio here. Uh, Doug's going to take a little break. So, you know, some of these topics might uh, come up later in the episode. We'll see. We talk about them all the time. Uh, you know, where folks kind of go on the internet for things about their cars. Uh, so Corvette curmudgeon for you tonight, I wanted to know... Uh, when you need advice for your car, something is wrong, something's weird, uh, where do you go? Is there like a specific website you go to, a forum perhaps? Website? What? No, friggin' read the Corvette Quarterly Magazine and uh, the Corvette Magazine and uh, Hemmings. And I read books. There's some historical books about Corvettes. Uh, I mean, I don't really need to learn much because I know most of it by now. But yeah, that's, I go to the magazines because those friggin' websites were started by these young friggin' mille millennials. That they, they ain't even as old as a, my friggin' Corvette. What do they know? They weren't born then. They weren't around for it. They don't know nothing. No friggin' website. No, read read books. But what if there's something new that is you know constantly learning new things about cars and things that can go there wrong? There ain't nothing new. <laughs> Me and my buddies know all of it. Do you have one of those, uh, what is it called? There's like the old books that they made for like every car and it's like a, a, a quick reference guide on how to fix things. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I got that too. It's uh, them shop manuals. Yeah. Uh, what's the name of it? Do you, uh, do you have the official Chevrolet shop manuals? Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you ever opened them? No, I don't need to. Corvette never breaks. I've only driven it 5,000 miles, haven't even, haven't, haven't even had to change the oil in 20 years. Uh, ooh, I was so close to saying I agree with something you said, and then you, you should probably change your oil. I recommend uh, going home, jacking the car up, you know, really dumping the oil out of that. No, nah, my car's all original. Including the oil? And, yeah, oil and the nitrogen air in the tires. <laughs> Oof. Alrighty. Well, thank you very much to the Corvette Curmudgeon for uh, coming down again today. Uh, Corvette Curmudgeon brought to you by the unwittingly, un brought to you unwittingly, goodness, by the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Group on Facebook, your source for cranky boomers, overpriced Corvettes, and reinforced stereotypes. Speaking of the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Group, I posted a Corvette for sale on there 
uh, three weeks ago, and it sold like a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago, and it just got approved by the admins. <laughs> the oh, post really? went live today. <laughs> Whoops. Haynes is the ma- the manuals I was yes. thinking of. Yes, thank you. I Haynes can shop see manuals. the cover in my yep. head. Yeah, TikTok chat was all over that. Uh, nice. Thomas Trimble actually has a question for the Corvette curmudgeon. He says, ask him what color is his Corvette and tell me why it's candy apple red. Uh-oh. It's not candy apple red. That was a freaking color in the 60s. I think that was a Ford color. They never put that on a Corvette. My Corvette is light carmine red, which is one of 345 produced in a convertible in the year 1998. And it was the only year that they made that color for the C5 convertible was 1998. After that, they changed it to magnetic red. My color's way better, and I'm pretty sure it's a one of one with that interior color and that top color and that rear end gear ratio. All right, Thomas, there you go. I took it off like my hat. All right. So we make fun of Corvette stereotypes a lot. We do. We do. But, you know, we're really just making fun of the cranky group of, you know, the cranky subculture of of every automotive community because they exist everywhere. And they're all actually the same. Like right. I've noticed that everybody does the same thing that Corvette curmudgeons do. <laughs> it's just there's so many yes. cor- Corvettes produced that there's yes. Anyway. Statistically. But I found that many Porsche owners, Porsche files, are just former Corvette owners with more money. So we're gonna pick on them a little bit tonight for all of our entertainment. And I, I say this, right? So um you know, homeschoolers can make fun of homeschoolers. Dave Chappelle can make fun of um, people with the last name Chappelle. And, uh, you know, you can make fun of your own. So I say all these things in all love because I own both a Corvette and a Porsche. And they're both, of course, incredibly rare. So uh, we came up with things that you will never hear a Porsche snob say. Uh, so here we go. Things you will never hear a Porsche snob say. My 944 Turbo is a slow car and doesn't handle well. The Boxster is a future collectible. Paint to sample is so passe. I prefer my cars without deviated stitching. <laughs> the Corvette is a better bang for the buck than a 911. I like fried eggs. <laughs> A Corvette ZR1 is a more capable sports car than a 911. <laughs> I actually, I was leading a tech session on buying Porsches and uh, for the Porsche club and somebody who owns like a bunch of different cars, like not just Porsches, asked a question about the ZR1 and I said something to the effect of like, oh yeah, ZR, it's Corvette you know, ZR1 is a great value for the money and just like instantly lost the room. <laughs> They're just, they turned around, they started looking at cars done over with. Oh, things Porsche snobs will never say. Who cares how many miles are on it? I just love driving. <laughs> I know what an IMS bearing is, and what it does. <laughs> I don't, but it needs to be replaced. I uh, was at another tech session uh that i don't think you were at someone else was running it uh and somebody was under 997 gt3 hands on hips with the tall socks and the new balances (laughs) and they asked her like does this one have that ims bearing (laughs) you're like well it has one 
but it's just not a problem here. Right. Uh, things Porsche snobs will never say. The resale value doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, you have a lot more than I do. The Corvette is a good car. <laughs> Corvette. Oh, God. Uh, let's see. Things Porsche snobs will never say. My 911 isn't rare. They made over a million of them. <laughs> Ooh, it has the ultra rare and desirable graphite gray interior. Hold on a second now. <laughs> Tyler's oh, triggered with I, his graphite mm. gray. Look, there's there's a lot of benefits to graphite gray. It looks good. <laughs> it's unique. It's special. Just like, I don't know. It's not unique in the 90s. No. Uh, I sold my 911 for Boxster because the mid-engine platform handles better. Oh. I don't care what anyone else thinks of my specification. <laughs> oh, God. And finally, things you'll never hear a Porsche snob say. Their special paint-to-sample color in English. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be my favorite one. I like that. <laughs> so good. It's a good one. You have to have heard it a few times. You have to have like, been oh. around them. Get it's Merkerblau. <laughs> Got my gelb green or whatever. <laughs> yellow green is a good it color. Sounds like they have gelb indigestion green. or something yeah. when they're pronouncing their colors. I'm all for pronouncing Porsche correctly, but you lose me on the color names. Yeah, well, it's like Porsche is a name, right? It was their name. You don't mispronounce yeah. their name, but like you don't pronounce every German word that's been like it's not even a German word that's been adapted. It's a different word. It's translated to English. Grun is green. Blau is blue. It's it's blue. We're friggin' in America. It's blue. I dare them to pronounce PDK in German. Yeah, Porsche Doppelkupplung. Doppel Doppel yeah, like... Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so, fun, uh, fun little news story here. Georgia temp tags are wreaking havoc in New York City because of, well... Lots of things. But uh, let's see. Fraudulent temporary license plates are being issued. Now, these are actually real license plates being issued, right? So there's a lot of times you'll see around, I think in Georgia, but in other states, you'll just see like a typed or handwritten, you know, in transit or tag applied for, which I'm like, okay, those are easy to just fake. But this, these are actually people getting dealer licenses and then issuing temporary tags and selling them on the black market because it's so easy to get a dealer license in Georgia. Uh, one official said you can basically buy a piece of property, put up a lean-to and get a dealer license. Or a lot of people are, are renting small spaces. Um, and uh, a, a huge, I think a third of people going through the dealer license education class in order to get your your license are from New York and New Jersey. So they know this is a problem, but they're not, uh, well, they're not doing anything to combat it yet. I guess it takes a while because you have to uh, <laughs> move the law through the the House and Senate and get it approved and, and, uh, and, and enacted. Uh, but uh, let's see. The officials also acknowledge, and this is uh, courtesy of streetsblog.org, the officials also acknowledge that Georgia's online system for printing temporary license plates is vulnerable fraud. Dealers can plug false information into the system and print tags from anywhere. Um, 
And let's see. So they come down, they get a one-day class, they get their dealer license, and one of these photos is basically just this empty uh, office park where somebody rented a license. There's one car in the parking lot. And this dealership issued 20,000 temporary tags in seven months, and they did not sell any actual cars. Uh, but part of the difficulty in uh, restricting this type of activity is that there's only four agents in Georgia that oversee 7,500 used car dealers, which, you know, as a right wing extremist that TikTok says I am, I actually kind of, in a way, love that type of like unregulation because <laughs> I actually obey the law. But Obviously, this needs to be cracked down on. So people are selling these temp tags on the black market so that they can get around uh, tolls. Uh, they can fly through tolls. Uh, they actually said, oh, what they use this word. I love it. They said car dealers sell illegally to dangerous and scofflaw motorists. Law, scofflaw. I, that's the last time I heard that word was, was cannonballer. So I don't know. Maybe some cannonballers are buying Georgia <laughs> temp tags to speed across the countries and <laughs> not get caught by, you know, speed cameras and, uh, and tolls. So um, I guess they're also using them to drive without car insurance or to commit more serious crimes. So this is a, this is a big deal. Yeah. Do you want to do an ad and then get to some TikTok questions because we've got a few in the chamber here. Absolutely. Let's say, let's go Doug's to a commercial. Poking the bear. Oh. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> TikTok bear. Right. Let's, let's respond to the bear. All right. SwitchCast is brought to you by Celebrity Machines. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows such as Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates, as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout. That was pretty, that was that was pretty good. timing. I was already I was sweating there for for a minute. Oh, I had us, Ethan. Don't you worry. Do you have? Do you I have can a good, uh, good as the first mate over here. I can pilot the ship if need be. All but. right, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Uh, I will. I will say uh, TikTok. The the chat got um, far more uh, amiable uh, when you were answering the f the first person's question. A lot of people were on uh, on your on your side. Um, so that being we'll said, just wait till we get to the singer. <laughs> yeah, the, the singer one's almost people, more of a hot button. People topic were, did not love the singer thing, but people anyway, did, people don't want their nine six fours messed with. Yeah, um, I okay. would like them to be cheap again. Thank you very much. Well, that's that, not that singer's was, problem. That was one of the things that. But again, it comes back to supply and demand, right? Well, we're going to get political with that too. So yeah, anyway, let, let's Whoa. let's not <laughs> let's not go too far. All right, let's go back to yeah, socialist media. To I mean, social media. Uh, um, okay, DMC grinding asks. This is there's there's a few parts of this question. Can you go over how someone who wants to own an exotic like an 06 Gallardo Spider? Mm -hmm. uh, Good choice. Just right kind off the of bat. what's what's the most affordable? Should you lease it? Should you purchase it? How should I structure that? What budget should I be going into that with? Sure. 
Uh, well, I guess you should listen to Exotic Car Hacks because he's going to tell you that you can own a car without using any of your own money and it won't cost you a dime and you don't have to worry about insurance depreciation or maintenance and you only have to make like $50,000 a year. So, you know, apparently it's magic. Yeah. But for the rest of us who don't have access to magic, um, I pretty much always advise that you pay cash for toys um, because some of us remember 2009 when all of a sudden you couldn't make more money elsewhere and you lost people lost their jobs and the stuff that they had payments on they couldn't make payments anymore and it no longer became theirs well it was never theirs to begin with it was the banks but the bank uh just executed uh (laughs) their ownership rights uh along with the tow truck uh however um yeah I, i think you should save up you should buy it when the rest of your uh, house is in order, so to speak, your financial affairs. And um, I think you should not necessarily, um, a lot of people look at like, okay, well, what can I buy that won't lose money? Or what will this be worth in six months? I think the important thing is buy it when you're able to not care about what it's going to be worth, right? Nobody wants their cars to go to zero. And in all likelihood, they won't go to zero. But in theory, you should be able to have your car go to zero and still be okay, right? I think that's when you can truly afford it, and that takes a lot of the anxiety out of the ownership. Um, Beyond that, find a good car uh, from a reputable seller, do a pre-purchase inspection, um, get service records, go watch my video on the 10 things to ask when you're buying a car, um, and just buy it and enjoy it. I think a, a Gallardo Spider is a great choice. Um, the it's a, uh, in my opinion, better looking than the coupe. Uh, the tops are quite reliable compared to Ferrari tops. Uh, I would personally go with a stick shift. It's going to run you a lot more money, but it's far more reliable and enjoyable than the E gear. And long term, will outpace uh, the E gear in terms of value. I think over the long haul stick shift cars will increase more and more relative to their automatic counterparts. Uh, I should mention if you're watching live and you have a question, you want to have it answered immediately, uh, feel free to tip us and you will jump to the front of the line, wherever you're watching. Uh, another question from Sumer or Summer. I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce their name. S U M M E R. S U M E R. Oh, okay. Thoughts, Tyler. How do you pronounce it? Probably Sumer. Yeah, I'd say Sumer. Sumer? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. How do you think the 911 Dakar will do in the secondary market? <laughs> uh, short term. So for those of you who don't know, the 911 Dakar is Porsche capitalizing. Well, <laughs> it's Porsche capitalizing on something Porsche did a long time ago, which was run in the, the Paris to Dakar rally. Uh, well, race. And uh, they did that with the Porsche 959 and other cars. They had a 911 as well. I think the Rothmans 911. Uh, I mean, they were rallying 912s for right. a while. Yes. But the, the Dakar oh, specifically yeah, yeah. is an homage to, to that race. So um, there's been a lot of aftermarket companies producing safari builds. And that's been just huge. It's it's the new craze. Um and so Porsche is like, okay, we're going to jump on that train. And they built a factory 992 with 
you know, off-road modifications that probably 80% of guys are just going to use as, you know, urban warriors, you know, <laughs> let's jump a curb. But uh, I think it's kind of cool. I think it's really expensive for what it is. Uh, so I think in the short term, there's going to be some opportunity for speculation and flipping. I think long term, it's probably too much of a fad thing to retain value. Um it's not a GT car. It's not a sport classic. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's cool and it's new. And as such, it'll go for buku bucks shortly. But once the fat is worn off, I think it'll be just, I don't know, another thing they did. Really? How many are they making? Do you know off the top of your head or the ish? Because it's a limited number. I think isn't a it? few hundred. Because I'm actually surprised. I think the opposite to an extent. I think it's going to be this weird one-off thing that they did, and a bunch of them are never going to be driven, so they're all going to be traded like Pokemon cards. 2,500. Eh, That's kind of a lot. That is mm. kind of a lot. I might change my opinion. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> GT2 RS, they made 500. 911 4.0, they made 600. Yeah. So 2,500 isn't that really is a lot. limited. And they made less Boxster 550 anniversary editions. Like, almost every special edition Porsche they made, they made less than that. Yeah. So, okay, less yeah. than half for most of them. So, yeah, I, I, you can have that opinion, but I want to do. I want to get to the singer stuff as soon as possible. Okay. So here's a super quick, super quick question yep. from Emil on TikTok. What's your favorite car movie of all time? Uh, gosh, I really like Italian Job, the new one. The old one sucks. Is that the Jason Statham one you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Charlize Theron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, <laughs> um, buddy. it's funny how we know the movie by different Transporter. people. Transporter is also good. Uh, Ronin, Ronin is up there. The the chase scene in Ronin is awesome. Uh, the driving is great. Um, it's it's a little more old school. <sighs> There's good ones. Um, Gone in sixty seconds is kind of a terrible movie, but it's great for all the cars. Um, I don't know if Nick Cage being in it makes it kind of mediocre. <laughs> There's but. a lot of good memes, too. I've got a real big soft spot for Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. And the new one. I, I rented all, or I bought all the old ones to compare, like, old, the originals versus the new ones. And a lot of them, man, those original movies, they sucked. They they had some good chase scenes, but golly, the movies itself, they, oof, plot line was, was rough. Um, okay, so... Thanks to social media, we get some uh, some interesting comments uh, on cars. And um, oh, before we get to singer, real quick, I want to give a, a market update. And, and we like doing this kind of comparing what certain cars sell for uh, to get an idea of where the market is relative to where it was. Um, this week, a, a 2007 Ferrari 599 sold on Bring a Trailer for one hundred thirty thousand dollars with fifteen thousand miles. Pretty good deal, relatively. Um, they have been selling for more, uh, but let's compare it to the pre-COVID market. So the exact same car bid to 106 in October 2019. Now, I don't usually like using reserve not met auctions as a data point because it's not an actual transaction. But at that time, the real market wasn't much more than that. That was maybe 110 or 115K car in 2009. So 110 or 130K 
whatever. The 599 is an incredible value for the dollar. I think they're really, really good cars. A slightly detuned Enzo motor uh, and a front-engine GT package that's stunning stylistically. Uh, and I think even more so a value and a good car to have long-term now that the six-speed conversions are becoming somewhat available. But all that to say, so the, the market has receded some, but we still have inflation, right? So that's a 20% bump or so since October 2019 in the Ferrari 599 market. So uh, we take away from that that inflation on cars is still a very real issue. Uh, and the Fed is totally screwing up how they're handling it with just jacking up interest rates. So I, I do have a solution, though, to combat inflation. Oh, do you? Lay yes. on us, Doug. Call in Tom Brady. <laughs> it took me a second. But he, you know, hashtag deflate gate to deflates the, the footballs. Ethan, are you with us, Ethan? You, you I'm know, with you. The pigskin. Yeah. As I mean, like, yeah, five years ago, I would have been all over that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Historical humor right there. Got to dig deep. That's what the, yeah, they call it a deep cut. <laughs> Is that what they call it? Uh, oh, gosh. Do we, can we even get to singer tonight? We might have to ch- uh, save singer till next week. Ah, we still got some good ones coming up. We, I, I think we're gonna have to put off put off the singer the singer comments till next week. There were some really good ones. Do you want to tease it with one? We'll tease it with one. Okay, so um, I, I did a quick video about singer and how they take a nine sixty four and build it into this incredible. I don't even know what to call it, a reproduction of, of the car. They strip them completely down. There's very few original components used, but they, they remake the car almost in its entirety, uh, taking the best of old and new plus their uh, custom manufactured parts. Um, and they're incredible. Uh, they're really, really a work of art. Over 4,000 hours go into them. But of course, you know, for TikTok, we just did this quick hit, you know, here's what they are, 400 horsepower, a million bucks, whatever. And people really, really didn't like that. You know, they wanted 964s to be preserved and they thought it was just a crime that, you know, Singer was charging six, $700,000 for these builds, but, uh, you know, not knowing what went into them, or I guess some people thought they did, but, uh, let's see one of the comments. Uh, I, I think the best one was a guy said, I quoted that the four liter engine made 400 horsepower. And a guy said, they don't make 400 horsepower. And I said, uh, yeah, the four liters do. He goes, nope, it's 300 to 330 to 340 or whatever. That's it. And maybe 500 in the, in the turbo version, which he was wrong on all accounts. It's 510 in the turbo, and it was 330 to 350 in the regular ones, but he forgot about the 4-liter, which does make 400 horsepower. So he kept doubling down on his comment, and somebody else was arguing with him, and the guy kept doubling down on being wrong, and then the guy who argued with him said, I should know it's my car. (laughs) What flex. And I'm like, yeah, oops. Uh, Let's see, the best comment... One of them, whatever, let's take the most attractive car in the world. I've 964 is not that, but okay, you can have that opinion. Let's take the most attractive car in the world and make it so expensive only elite D bags can own them. Rubbish. <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> hey, Rod Dickinson, what do you think of that? Rob, sorry, Rob. <laughs> 
I really want to know if they like went through these comments. Like it was, man, it was bad. So we'll get to some of those next week. But <laughs> let's go to a commercial and come back to the wall of shame. Yes. Switchcast is brought to you by Boxcast. And Boxcast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched Boxcast back in 2013 with one purpose, and that is to make people a part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, Boxcast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. Boxcast is so easy that we're broadcasting this show with a phone. Uh, a few dongles as well, but a phone. So head on over to switchcars.com forward slash boxcast for your free trial. The dongles are purely for sound audio quality. Yes. I just uh, can't go an episode without mentioning Ethan's dongles, I tell you. Yeah, but I mean, a box cast is still that that, that has no bearing on on the <laughs> That's quality. True, right. That's right. Of, of box right. Cast. It's it's the sound quality input to the phone. Mm. Okay, so wall of shame, Tyler, take it away. Yes. So wall of shame. So this uh, comes from a YouTube video uh, about real scammers. Uh, this a, is a, a video which I made highlighting top scams. Oh, that was that was an important yeah. detail. I did not have it. Oh, yeah, your this video. was a comment on on my video. Was that how to avoid dealer scams? No, it was it was on the Vin Wiki channel. It was just like highlighting five different scams, like explaining the scams mm -hmm. as they mm -hmm. took place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, this comment is so out of curiosity. Do you count yourself among the ranks of scammers for defrauding the allocation system and flipping them for a massive <laughs> profit? <laughs> I love how he starts with, so just out of curiosity. Okay, that's lies. <laughs> just shame <laughs> you sheer, sheer curiosity. Why are you such a jerk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. I, so I, I responded to him. Let, let's be clear. I don't just like take things people say and then just like make fun of them on a different platform so they won't know. I responded to him and said, please explain how exactly it is that I defrauded the allocation system or what you mean by that, because I don't understand it because there's no system that I defrauded. I didn't hack into anything. I didn't make up contracts. I simply called the dealers and said, will you sell me this car at sticker? Yes, we will. Nobody else wants it. Okay, please take my money. And then six months later, when everybody wanted it, the dealer said, Oh, just kidding. We don't want to sell you the car. So if anything, they defrauded me via Porsche corporate because they looked for ways to get out of their contracts for which they had earnest money and signatures on both sides, fully executed contracts, and then say, oh, we don't we don't want to sell you this car anymore because we want to reap the, the extra profit. So there's no defrauding anything. It was purely just buying a car and selling it for more later. So, no, that's not a scam. A scam would be selling it to eight people and taking all their money for one allocation and then disappearing. But, um, yeah, I think that guy needs a lesson in what scam and fraud means. Uh, let's see. The shrewd negotiator, one step away from the wall of shame, is people trying to earn their way on the wall of shame. This is brought to you by VinWiki. Um Let's see. So a guy on Facebook posted a McLaren MP4 12C for sale with 8,000 miles. He said it was the best and low mileage one in the country or arguably the best one or something like that. 
and he was asking 175 grand for a 2012 MP4 12C coupe. I got to be honest, is that high? It's it's is that like astronomical? It's as high as like a, a rapper before he makes an album, <laughs> right? Nice. It is out there. Like average value is like 100 grand, give or oh, take. Oh boy. So this seller was participating in some recreation themselves right. when they came up with the price. Right. Gotcha. When they say like you're asking prices on crack like it was that high. Um, but wait, wait, the car was owned by a billionaire. Well, he kept touting that. And the the funny thing is, though, the seller, the guy's Facebook profile reeked of Corvette curmudgeon. So like I went on his profile and it was all political posts. You can guess which side of the aisle, (laughs) Mr. MAGA and the first six friends, like it shows you the six friends, like the preview, they were all fake women. And not like fake boobs, fake, but like fake accounts. Yeah. You know, like the, 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 the catfishing ones or whatever. And I know, I know this because a relative of mine, bless his heart, has friends like that on Facebook as well. Uh, he keeps having to get new accounts because his account keeps getting hacked. Um, so let's just say that I highly doubt that this guy actually even owned the car, had the exclusive authority to sell it. Um, and uh, yeah, his asking price was was astronomical. But that begs a question, right? So does previous ownership of a celebrity nature or of a financial status, does that affect the value at all? Now, he's saying like, oh, this car was maintained to the highest you know, level because it was owned by this billionaire, yada, yada, yada. And it's the greatest car ever because it was owned by a billionaire. Like I was in a billionaire's collection a few months ago and they had an MP412C. And it was like half apart with electrical issues. There was a leak underneath it. Like it was not the greatest one ever. And it was owned by a billionaire who could afford to maintain it. So there's no connection there. Um, And I don't think there's any connection in value either. Like I once bought a 2000 mile Ferrari 360 that was a one owner car owned by a notable billionaire. um, And it had maintenance out the wazoo. I mean, just perfectly maintained i could not get a dime more for it because of that now part of that was because it was a dang f1 transmission but it was the nicest f1 360 ferrari on the planet and i i could not sell it i gave it away for like 70 grand or something like that so you know this guy touting that his mclaren mp4 12c the 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 best example of the worst car that McLaren ever made is worth 175k. Oh. It's not it's not happening, not happening. All right, let's get to the question of the week. Brought to you by. Nuts for Sticks. And Nuts for Sticks is a brand celebrating the manual transmission in all its forms. Forget the flappy paddles because we like shifting ourselves. Check out our fun and funny stick-themed shirts at nutsforsticks.com and save 10% on your ordering using the discount code SWITCHCAST. That is nutsforsticks.com and use code SWITCHCAST. All right, you ready for it? I'm ready. All right, so David E. from SwitchCast.Live asked, You've mentioned driving courses or classes on the podcast while discussing driving fast or cannonballing. What recommendations do you have for these classes? 
Very good question. And for the rest of you, also switchcast.live is the hub for all of our shows. And you can uh, go on there and see past shows and our blog and uh, interesting things happening. So head on to switchcast.live whenever you feel like it. Uh, Let's see. So to answer the question, good uh, driving schools. Um, if you live anywhere near a large track, they will likely have an in-house driving school that they'll use to supplement their income when they're not, you know, renting out uh, track days and stuff like that. Um, some of the really good ones are the Ron Fellows Performance Driving School out in Pahrump, Nevada. They've got some fantastic instructors out there. It's a good program. Um, let's see. I attended Bondurant High Performance Driving School out in Arizona, which is now the Radford Racing School. Um, there's some rally schools as well. Um, there's a Dirtfish Rally and there's a Team O'Neill. I think both of those are really excellent. Um, you can do any, like uh, all the manufacturers have their own schools. Those are very well run. The Porsche one, the BMW one, um, kind of search around based on your area. Uh, you may have to travel a little bit, but there's, there's a lot of really good schools out there. Uh, the thing that you want to make sure you're learning is the fundamentals. Don't be scared of like a basic school, right? So I'm sending my wife to the teen driving school this summer at mid Ohio. But I think it's it's inappropriately named because it's scaring adults away who think they know how to drive but need to know the fundamentals of skid control, oversteer, understeer, you know, panic threshold breaking, uh, what to do with your eyes, et cetera, et cetera. All these fundamentals that people just don't even think about or know. Um, so I would search those out and make sure that you're going to a school that teaches you the fundamentals uh, before anything else. So, yeah, great, great question. Uh, do we have some some live questions? Get into a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think we've got, YouTube, got one please. relevant uh, one here from Zane Price on YouTube. Doug, did you ever take legal action for against Porsche for taking the allocations back? Um, almost. Uh, I consulted uh, a antitrust attorney and they advised me that I had an open and shut case and that I would win if it got to the courtroom uh, or Porsche would likely settle if it got to the courtroom but the expense and drama and difficulty that would take place before that uh, would wreck my life essentially and um, I didn't have the money nor the inclination to do that And in hindsight, I should have just said, "Okay, great. Well, if you are so sure that I'll win this case, then take it on contingency. Um, But I didn't. Uh, I wasn't as good of a negotiator then as I am now. (laughs) Um, So, no, I didn't. But other people have taken similar legal action against Ferrari and Mercedes uh, that I know of and probably other manufacturers for similar things essentially preventing them from buying cars and, and flipping them, which does violate antitrust laws, depending on how they do it. Uh, and nobody's won. So there's no case law that I'm aware of. All the manufacturers have settled out of court because they don't want there to be case law. They don't want the publicity of losing a case like that. So um, and I tried to get uh, the guy who got a big settlement from Mercedes to 
talk to me about it so I could discuss it on the podcast. And he basically had a gag order. So the, the payout came with a you can't ever talk about this. So he alluded to it, but he couldn't give any specifics. So they, they really don't want that information to get out. So, Gotcha. You good, Ethan? I can, sure. I got yeah, a couple no, more. We, we can. can uh, I don't want to. I don't want to put a gag order on Ethan's TikTok. <laughs> no, no, no. We can. We can head out to uh, TikTok here. Uh, Nick Kruger, what are your thoughts on the Cadillac XLR future collectible or a quirky <laughs> Gen Two Alante Curiosity? It's it's the uh, it's a Corvette curmudgeon retirement car. It's like it's like what you buy when you can't get in and out of your Corvette anymore because your joints are too bad. <laughs> <laughs> or drive stick. <laughs> or drive stick. Well, eighty percent of Corvettes are automatic, so come on. Are they really? Yes. Oh, I'm not yes. surprised, but that is a stat. I, I always thought they were kind of cool looking. Uh, I really like that, like mid two thousands design language that that GM was using. Um, but yeah, they're they're kind of an old man car. But I know, I know. <laughs> I. I like I want to like one and own one myself, but I I can't, I can't. In the realm of uh, things being collectibles, uh, we had one from Instagram. Uh, it says, "Hi, is the 992 GT3 Touring a future collectible?" <laughs> <laughs> it hurts my soul. Such a dumb question. Yes, in in sixty years it'll be collectible. So, do you want to keep it that long? It's it's not a good investment uh, for that long because you could make money many many multiples of your money um yeah no it's it's do not think of modern cars as collectibles just because you might have made money on them by timing the market right or something like that but no and i also feel like people forget that they never used to make as many exotic cars as they do now very very good point so it's very there's gonna be point. a lot of there's like more touring. paint to sample GT3s than there used to be GT3s. Yeah, now I'm a little bit hyperbole, but we're not entirely too. Pretty far sure off. there are more GT3s than like Carreras now. Uh, very possible because during COVID they put all of their resources into the highest margin cars. So if you ordered a base Carrera, you never got it. But if you ordered a Turbo S or a GT3, or anything that they had high profit margin on, they were producing those ahead of the base Carreras. So we're going to see some interesting used car market you know, pricing stuff in five years when it's like, hey, man, I want a 2021 Carrera convertible. You can't find one. <laughs> they don't exist. They don't exist. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the, the 2009, 10, 11, the 997.2s. Same thing. The, the base 911s and, and Carrera S's are pretty hard to find because of the you know economic meltdown. They just didn't make as many of them. I get so. a little excited to see them. I got to be honest. So yeah. speaking of that car, could I hear Doug's opinion on either buying a well-loved 996 Turbo versus a nice 997.2 Carrera S? 997. I, sorry. I, Doug and it's I not fight. the fried eggs. <laughs> I don't like... The front end design Explain of the 996 the Turbo. What fried eggs are. Uh, fried eggs are the headlight design accentuated by the uh, uh, of the 996 generation Porsche, accentuated by the amber marker, which was supposedly like a, a an egg yolk or whatever. Uh, but it's generally used to refer to all 996 headlights, and it's what people find offensive with that generation of car. 
be not to you know interior quality notwithstanding hey you get full leather <laughs> that all gets better uh yeah anyway wait real quick we have a tipper we have a tipper in TikTok. Well, well let me finish this answer okay <laughs> I thought, I, 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 they, they don't they jump the, the line that doesn't mean i cut off I thought what i'm the doing o anyway man all right moving on no 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 i would take the 997 uh, eight ways since sunday one because i like naturally aspirated cars better than turbos i just don't like I don't know, like 911 turbos. It's an unpopular opinion. I think they're great for other people. I don't like driving them. I like the engagement and the sound of the naturally aspirated car. And I like the look of the 997 far better and the interior. So I would 100. Yes, not even a question for me. I want to argue with Doug so bad because I'm a 996 lover, but he's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you heard it here first. All right. Big, big tipper. <clears throat> well, the, the easy with the adjectives. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Peyton Stone, Forerunner or Jeep Wrangler? Forerunner. Easy enough. It, it, he left a small tip. Yeah. Okay, it's a small answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's I could explain it, but there's my answer. Forerunner. As 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 dogmatic as I am about the 997.2S versus 996 Turbo, I am Forerunner versus Wrangler. Like every day, any situation, no matter what you ask me or why, double the price for the Forerunner, I'd still take the Forerunner. All right, we're going to get into the Scaminator. Uh, this time, I am going to read the scam uh, or potential scam to Tyler to see if he can sniff it out. So this came to us versus Instagram from Smoke Show Scat. Uh, I think that's a Scat Pack Charger Challenger or something. Yeah. I feel like that's such a stereotypical <laughs> Instagram name. Like who has one of those and doesn't do smoky oh, burnouts? Yeah. You go to any car show, they win the burnout competitions. And most of them are also stolen, but we're going to assume that Smoke Show Scat is a, a reputable, upstanding person, and, and he paid for his. Okay, so he got an inquiry about a car he was selling or selling for his dad, um, and the, let's see, we're going to start from the beginning. I'm nervous, guys. This is my first time. Okay, so... <laughs> All right. The inquiry reads, hi there. Trust you're doing good today. I wanted to ask a few questions about the 2004 Pontiac you have listed on Craigslist price 9900. Please text me back on here to talk more. Thanks, Tim. And then he says, thanks for responding. I was waiting for it. Why are you selling, please? Thanks. What's your best price for this? This, already, this has just rubbed me the wrong way since you've started. Okay. Then he says, I'll need a shipper. I'm in Florida. Can we make it 8000 please? I'll pay the shipper, too. And he says, do you, ha ac do you accept cashier's check? Uh, uh. Uh, the seller said, I would prefer a money transfer, like a wire transfer. Uh, the buyer said, I prefer the old and secure way. Ooh, yeah. If processed uh -huh. easily, you should receive it tomorrow or next. So I need my I need your name and address. I anticipate that I'll have a cashier check capitalized issued out to you via <laughs> one to two days USPS. So get back to me with your name and full address and apartment number to send the check out. Also, we'll also arrange pickup through my shipper after you have cash at hand. Yeah, this. So I got a cash a, at hand cash it. I want to point out Ethan over here laughing at people with apartments, I guess. I no, no, no. I just thought hilarious. it was funny. Include your apartment. Number. All right. But uh, so scam or no scam. That is absolutely. I, I believe that's a scam. Uh, the structure of the sentences 
was not like obviously language barriers exist not everybody has english as a first language however that was just a little shaky like i felt like there was going to be a nigerian prince who needed money immediately in there somewhere uh but the biggest thing aside from that was the cashier's check situation sure. with the like you'll have this in a couple of days i promise sure it's like the 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 not now but i promise you'll have it right that is what sold it for me. Sure. There are a couple other giveaways. I forgot one phrase that he used. He said, kindly let me know early so I can get the check processed. You yeah. know what the red flag is in that what sentence? Is? Kindly. Kindly. That scammers love using words like blessings, kindly, you know, these like okay. what they think are like nice American words that make people feel at ease, but they're words that actual americans never use so it's yeah. like an immediate red flag of like oh foreigner that's trying to like sound nice and it, when he said i prefer the old and secure way like they always want to like make you feel more secure yeah so th this was actually a pretty good one it was a little bit more tough to tell all of the the typical tells for a scam artist are still in there but he didn't use some of the immediate red flags like oh well i'll pay you an overage and then you'll pay my shipper or just like I'm ready to pay your asking price. Usually they don't negotiate or make offers. So I think this guy was like a little bit smarter. Um, and, and actually, you know, I'm starting to wonder, and this is maybe definitely a topic for another night, if scammers are going to start using AI because AI is actually like smarter than most of these scammers. <laughs> and we're going to start getting like great inquiries and like engaging conversation and stuff like that and you know and they're all scammers just using ai that'll be tough i feel like there's still there's some tells with ai but it's really really hard especially yeah. compared to like what you just read off like it's right. going to be tough yeah so we're we're marking that one as a definite scam uh for those of you that don't know what the scammers will do is they'll send you a cashier's check um asking for the name and address right off the bat was it was a big thing too they just they they want to get it out of the way they're trying to do as many scams as quickly as possible so they're just like give me your name and address and a price give me your name and address and a price and then they send you a fake check and typically with banks um you know, you don't find out it's a fake or a bad check for multiple days. Uh, these cashier's checks are so good. Um, and by that time, they're bothering you to get the car picked up. Or they're saying, like, I had one guy do this. Um, I sent him his own fake cashier's check, I think it was. Or no, 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 no. I sent him a, a screen. I, I got a cashier's check, took a picture of it, and then sent him a picture of the tracking for the USPS envelope, but I immediately put the cashier's check back in my bank and just sent him an envelope full of Monopoly money. So once he, like I had put it in the bank and it had been marked as delivered or whatever, cause he sent it to a different agent. So nothing could be tracked. He wanted me to give him the money back. Cause he said that his father was in the hospital and had been shot many times by the robbers and no joke. And so like he wanted um, he wanted his money back, even though I had already paid the shipper as well, supposedly, you know, uh, so they'll do anything and, and try to get you before, um, before their fake check has, has, has bounced. So be on the lookout for that. And, and don't, for that matter, don't even send wiring instructions to somebody you don't know, because they can use that to create fake checks to, to run other scams. So you, you have to be really, really, really careful when dealing online. Uh, which is a great reason to consign with switch cards because we secure the entire transaction for you. 
All right, let's move on to props and flops. We're running a little bit over on time, but we do want to get to these. And then for those of you on live, we'll try to get to a few more bonus questions uh, after the show is over. So the props and flops are brought to you by Switch Cars, the enthusiast dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. Check out our hand-picked inventory at switchcars.com. Our pick of the week from Switch Cars inventory is a 1965 Shelby Cobra, while it's not really a 1965, but it is really a Shelby Cobra, it is part of their CSX 4000 continuation series, which is genuine licensed Shelby Cobras, but started uh, they started building them in 1997. Uh, and this is an aluminum bodied one uh, built by Kirkham, and it is very pretty. Uh, low mileage, incredible car with great documentation. Check it out. It should be live on the site tomorrow. So the flop of the week. Tyler picked us this one out. Fire away. Yes. So our flop of the week is uh, this insurance claim uh, or that had to happen for a Rivian R1T. Uh, so they got into a little bit of a fender bender, uh, but the damage turned out to cost $42,000. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so... You should be able to Google this if you want to see photos. Very minor, like little dent, like truly a fender bender. The other car looked way worse. Yeah, the uh, bumper was like slightly moved, if I remember. Yeah, it's like just a slight little yeah. like, indent, like not a lot going on. Not um, even as bad as your car. Yeah, okay. We don't, <laughs> sore spot. We don't need to talk about that. We're getting that fixed. Um, so, uh, you know, read more into this because $42,000 is excessive. That is right. Meant, that's a couple of cars for some yeah. people. Like, that's insane. Uh, so it turns out that the the body, or like the bed of the R1T is all one piece up to the roof of the truck. So rather than having like the rear like side bed be its own piece, sure. it's like this massive part of the structure of the vehicle. Oh, gosh. And I'm looking at photos right now of this thing completely torn apart. Windshield out, back window out, trim off, bed out, like practically the frame to fix this. And... It's obviously the price is terrible. Like that is excessive, even though insurance is taking care of it. The fact that cars are being designed in this completely unfixable, unmaintainable way is truly, I think, the yeah. Plot. Okay, that's my question, right? Like, like the EV thing is supposedly new tech, but I mean it isn't. But it's you know in terms of being universally adopted. But cars are not new. No. Like, why do they have to reinvent the wheel with cars? Just <laughs> you know. <laughs> Do like a lot of old companies did and just take an existing platform and put a different drivetrain in it, right? Like, yeah. let's figure out this technology and not try to make these. That's just dumb. We know how to make cars that don't cost that much to fix. Why are they trying to not only do a crazy new technology and, you know, make these bespoke whatever cars at the same time? Like, ugh. No, it's it's depressing because like soon we might be in a world where all of that is possible. Like you meant, I've had a little a little, a little bump, a little boink, some might say, in one of my cars, but it's something that can be fixed because you just pop the panel back out. Maybe paintwork, maybe whatever, but like I don't need to replace half of my car <laughs> because I got into right. a little bit of a situation. Right. All right, and the prop of the week. Uh, so the prop of the week goes out to uh, Toyota. So it seems that there is some leaked corporate documents online uh, talking about how Toyota is going to focus on uh, hybrids rather than full EVs. Uh, due to there's many reasons. Uh, they've got some barriers, you know, in terms of materials needed, infrastructure for charging. 
Uh, affordability, we've talked about that last week, about how expensive a lot of electronic cars are, or electric cars. Yeah. Um, but I love this because I'm obviously a car guy. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't. Uh, but I think hybrids are kind of the short-term answer. Yeah. Jay uh, Roberts, the Prius Cannonballer, is all about the hybrid technology. He yeah. loves hybrids. He thinks that is the best solution. You get the commuting Maybe benefit long term. of an electric, but you get the long-range road trip, whatever you need, and ease of use of a gasoline engine. Uh, so somebody, uh, a comment uh, on the internet pointed out really well. It said Chevy was really onto something with the Volt. I have no idea why they dropped it, because my girlfriend can commute to work and back on a single night's trickle charge, but also got over 350 miles with the quick convenience of gasoline. Wait, isn't the Volt an electric car? Yeah, you know... I think GM had a good car back then. <laughs> they, they really, I mean, you would think with they Volt, really missed like, the name. That shouldn't be a hybrid name. <laughs> but I, it's just so nice to see one of the, the major manufacturers, what I will call get it, and be on the right track, at least for near term, the next couple of decades. Hmm. What is the right answer? Yeah, that's, that's good. And, and there's an interesting, another uh, article that goes along with that, too. According to Fox Business, there's a consulting firm that did a study that found out it was actually cheaper in the third quarter of 22 to fuel an internal combustion car than an EV for the first Which time in over a year. Insane. And this should be going the other way, right? It should be getting cheaper and cheaper to do EVs and more expensive for fuel, at least if, you know, what people are telling about telling us about EVs is true, but it's not. Um, and this included charging at home. Um, it was actually a bigger disparity um, if you used a public charging station. So rising electricity costs and declining gas prices both were uh, contributing to this. Um, I think part of the problem is that people don't see the real cost of charging because while Tesla gives us free charging um, or like even with maintenance, the, the manufacturers are building in maintenance costs into the price of the car. So people are like, oh, my Tesla costs zero in maintenance. It's like, no, it costs a lot. Tesla is just doing it for you. So you think your car is super reliable. Um, and the government has been subsidizing a lot of it. So um, I, I can only imagine, though, how much costs are going to rise Right. So about 7% of new cars sold are EVs. So what happens when we get to 50%? Not to mention this push now for people to trade in their natural gas appliances and convert their entire houses to electric. Like the demand is going to go through the roof. Like it just comes back to supply and demand. And it's going to get more and more and more expensive. I think that's going to push people away from EVs. Well, before we end, I do have something interesting. Sorry, I didn't want to very rudely cut you off. Uh, this I thought this was fascinating. So Devin Ruckus in the YouTube chat says that uh, on the driving subject of driving schools, anyone military stationed in Europe needs, in all caps, to ask for ATED. Do you know what that stands for? A TED. Anti-terrorist evasive driving. Ooh. Which sounds probably like the fact that it's necessary. Not great. Sounds so cool. Oh heck yes! <laughs> I did a um, one of those types of driving schools. It was a half day one at, at Summit Point Raceway in West Virginia. It was awesome. Pit maneuvers and ramming and you oh. know stuff like that. We didn't get into like shooting out of cars, but yeah, that would be epic, epic. Um, another one to mention highlight is a Drift University by Taylor Hall. We did that last year. That was 
very, very fantastic. So anyway, thank you all for joining us. Stick around, those of you watching live, for the bonus round of live question and answer. Uh, and for the rest of you, we'll see you next week. Thank you again to Tyler Sanders and Ethan Huffnagel for making this show happen and getting me through. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Stephen Holm Woodworking, and Parallel Printworks. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can access that easily at switchcast.live to find your place to download it. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday, 8 p.m., as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your life. <laughs>